Good evening, everyone, and welcome to High Spirits. I'm Jay Stagman, and with me, as always, is my pal, Noelle Schmidt. That's right. And together we host a show called High Spirits, in which we drink alcohol and we talk about ghosts. Doing it. Doing it. Hey, Noelle, um, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, tonight I'm drinking a fine wine called Nero, Nero Divola. Oh. It's a red wine. It's like a table wine. Get it at your local Trader Joe's. It's a personal favorite of mine. Okay. And of the folks at Trader Joe's, too, because every time they're like, I like this. So, <laughs> Nira Davola, friend of Trader Joe's. Yeah, well, that's great. Um, I am still rocking uh, Noel Brock from uh, Wisconsin, um, a whole bunch of Nuclearis for me. Um, so, I'm back on the uh, Scream IPA. I brought back all of it. All of the beer. For you. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for being you. Hey, that's so sweet. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this program. Um, we uh, could not do this without you. Um, our numbers in February were really great. So we actually are having um, really great listenership in uh, 2018, and um, it's highly appreciated. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, 2018 is off to a good start. We need a good 2018 because 2017, guys – for everyone in the world. <laughs> it was a tough year. It was not the best. No, it was hard. Yeah. We had to get through some changes. Mm -hmm. We're still fighting through it, but I feel like I'm feeling positive. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, okay. now we have to live in a world without Hope Hicks. So <laughs> <laughs> who wants to do that? Tick, tick. <laughs> hope Hicks, I hope you do well in whatever your future endeavors are. She'll bounce on her. She'll land on her you feet. You and your eyelashes. She will land on her feet. She's terrible taste of men. She's. She dated Corey, Corey Lewandowski and then Rob Porter. She's got to get out of that circle. Yeah. I think. That is not a good circle right, of men. Because I feel like a former model who works for a marketing agency probably has a large pool of men to choose from. And she Agreed. just was basically dating the guy that was standing in front of her yeah. in the last like six years. So I don't know what's wrong with her. Maybe there's something wrong with her. Um, <laughs> Maybe she has tunnel vision. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so hope, she can't see that there. Hope. There's hope for you. Yeah. Hope get on Tinder. Oh farmers only. Yeah. She'd it, probably kill it on farmers only. She would kill it. Yeah. She would kill it on a very attractive woman. On black people meets. No. She would kill it on I'm just kidding. <laughs> J date? No. Um she's she, a farmers only. <laughs> farmers only, thank you for sponsoring High Spirits. We appreciate thank it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, gals and pals, we are going to do um uh a revisit. Yes. On a topic that we did um probably 40 episodes ago. Sure. I want to say. Um, just because um, the sound was uh, screwed up and it is one of our favorite uh, Chicago stories. Mm -hmm. So um, I think we've decided we're going to keep the old one up if you if you want. And, and oh, we are? Maybe. I don't know. Let's see how this one goes. Let's see how this one goes. Yeah. So, you know. So basically in the first one, um, we didn't realize until actually after we put it up that the sound was really bad. Really bad. Because um, we were actually playing around with some new microphones and some different sound equipment and uh, it made it worse. Yeah. It made it worse. It's supposed to make it better. Um, and you can't hear Noel in that entire episode. No. So. It's a little painful at times. So um, we're going to we're gonna redo it. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, we do keep it up so people can see how we've grown, <laughs> I mean, how we've learned. Who knows? Um, up for debate. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen. Wait, and oh. in, a, in, a, in related news, if you're a sound engineer and you want to come work for us, we'll pay you in beer. Sure. Please. We got that Hope Hicks money. <laughs> we do. We've got those shoulder pads and money. Oh, man. All the shoulder pads you could need. <clears throat> She's a legend. <laughs> I guess. Um, we are going to talk about American Airlines Flight 191. Yeah. This is one of Chicago's greatest tragedies. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to talk just a little bit about it, and then we're going to talk about uh, all the hauntings that followed this terrible event. So on May 25th, 1979, uh, the weather was clear, 
uh, with a northeast wind coming in at 25 miles per hour. Did you say May 25th, 1979? Yeah. That's five days before I was born. Oh, my God. So now you know how old I am. Do the math. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, this was maybe because of you. My dad was watching the NBA uh, playoffs. <laughs> Not even thinking about having a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Crazy. Okay. All right. He wasn't thinking about having a baby even though your mom was pregnant? No, because he was so focused on the – this is, like, a, a story that my mom likes to jab my dad with. Like, he was so, like, into the playoffs. Were the – The Bucks? Yeah. I, you know, I don't think so. Um, but he just – my dad's just such a basketball sports fan guy, yeah. and sports guy. Um, he was just, like, really zoned in on that. And they were both very young, so – and he played basketball and mm-hmm. all the things. So he was just, like, zeroed in on that. Hmm. And she was like, we have to go to the hospital because there is a baby coming. Oh, my God. That's yeah. great. I love yeah. that. Big tone. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, not a day that uh, anything weird should have happened, is what I was trying to say before. Uh, American Airlines Flight 191 uh, was a regularly scheduled passenger flight from O'Hare to LAX. Um, at 2.50, flight 191 pushed back from gate K5 and was cleared to taxi to the runway 32R. Now, I'm being very specific, but this stuff will come up because um, if you want to see some ghosts, you might want to head to some of these places. Oh. Mm-hmm. Everything looked normal uh, as the flight began to take off at 3.02. Just as the aircraft hit takeoff speed, which is 176 miles per hour, the number one engine and its pylon assembly separated from the left wing, ripping away a three-foot section of the leading edge with it. Oof. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how you want your flight to go. Now. No, so you want your plane to stay together. Yeah. <laughs> That's my hope. That's that's usually the hope. You don't want to be yeah. like, oh wait, my pylon assembly. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about hopping on a plane in two days. Yeah. After we do this. Oh yeah. Uh, it's cool. Uh, well, sorry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, since it was no longer possible to abort takeoff at this point, the crew followed the standard operating procedure for an quote engine out climb. Now here's the thing. Uh. Let me just explain this in layman's term. So the airplane had to take off, right? Like it, it couldn't yeah. just like hop and, and bump back down. Yeah. Um, there are major highways surrounding O'Hare. Um, there's just too many things um, at risk and at stake. Okay. So um, they what they do when there's something wrong with the plane is they usually climb um, to a certain altitude and then try to come back down and land in mm-hmm. a normal way. Okay. Right. So the idea was, um, we know we're having this emergency. We're going to turn this plane around and we're just going to land it right back down. Got it. Okay. So, um, while in the air, the engine separation had severed, had severed the hydraulic fuel lines, uh, that controlled the leading edge slats on the left wing that locked them in place, causing the over, sorry, outboard slats to retract under air load. As a result, the left wing entered a full aerodynamic stall. Okay. At 325 feet um, above ground level, the resulting asymmetric lift caused the aircraft to commence rolling rapidly to the left and enter a steep dive from which it could not recover. Oh, God. Yeah. So... That's not nice, right? No. Um, the crash scene was in a field northwest of the intersection of Tui Avenue, which I, you know. I know it. And Mount Prospect Road on the border of the suburbs of Displains and Mount Prospect, Illinois. Okay. By the way, if you are from, out of t- uh, not Chicago, or if you're French, um, I apologize. We really do call it Displains here. Yeah. <laughs> We're not happy about it either. Yeah, I mean, God only knows. Um, Large section of the uh, aircraft debris were hurled by the force of impact into an adjacent trailer park, destroying five trailers and several several cars. 
The DC-10 had also crashed into an old aircraft hangar, which was located at the edge of the airport at the former site of Ravenswood Airport, which was at that point used for storage. A DC-10 is the equivalent, because we don't use those anymore, right? We don't. That's like the equivalent of a 747. That's the bigger one, right? You think? Uh, I'm not sure. It might come up later in my notes, but I am not, okay. I'm, I'm not sure at this point. Okay. Um, the nearly full fuel load ignited into a huge fireball almost immediately. The aircraft was almost completely destroyed with no significant pieces of the fuselage remaining. Oh, my God. So that, friends, is a story oh. of how this plane took off, fell apart in the sky, crashed and burned. Oh, my God. So here's a summary of some things you should know. Um, on the plane, there were 258 passengers. Uh, the crew was made up of 13 people. Um, there were 273 fatalities. Wow. Um, by the way, that includes two of the employees who were at the repair garage where some of that debris landed. Um, and then there were six injuries on the ground, some from the uh, uh, trailer park and some from the uh, uh, garage that I talked about. Okay. Of the victims, only about a dozen bodies were found intact. Oh, that's so And I don't so mean bad. all the way intact. I mean, when we get down to the forensics of this, it's not going to be nice and you're not going to eat during this episode. Okay. Just knowing myself. Um, so intact meaning like... So uh, I should stop eating now. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm head, so hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You won't be in a moment. But like head, torso, kind of like identifying uh, things. Yeah. Um, okay. What ended up... Um, this actually helped uh, bring about uh, a, a really interesting thing in um, forensics. Um, a, a lot of dental... I mean, some people were just identified by one tooth. Wow. Yeah. So when I say intact, I'm not talking about like, oh, that's Noel. It looks like Noel. I mean, I mean. It was dental records. Connected in any way, shape, or form. Oh, my God. Um, so no survivors on the plane. Like from everybody on the plane perished. Everybody on the plane. So that's 273. And then there were two people on the ground who died. Okay. Um, what about, I'm sorry, you're going to get to this. No, you're fine. The trailer park. Were there people in the trailer park? There were. There were six six injuries on the ground. Okay. Sorry, you said that. Okay. Yep. Um, I don't know if they all came from the trailer park. They either came from the garage or the trailer park. Got it. Degree. Okay. Um, in response to this accident, American Airlines was fined $500,000 by the U.S. government for improper maintenance procedures. Where does that money go, like, when they're fined? Like, the U.S. government's like, thank you. I don't know. That's, that's a really good question. That's interesting. I mean, I think they should absolutely be held liable. And I'm sure if I remember correctly, we're going to talk about all of the settlements and whatnot that American Airlines did with the families. Oh, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but so I'm sure they paid heavily for it. But it's like, what what happens with that money? Like, is there insurance that every plane I get on is going to be like secure? Like, I don't know. I'm just. I, well, there, there, there were. This is one of those big. This is kind of like a Iroquois theater Eastland disaster kind of deal where yeah. um, certain things happened and aviation was changed um, forever. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I would hope that that money is going towards that yeah. specifically. Um, it's just I'm, I'm always just fascinated, like because you see that a lot with sports where athletes are fined for lewd behavior. Oh, and you're like, where does that money go? Where does that money go? Like, we don't know, like, what is it being used for? So that's why I'm kind of asking, like, it's right. Does it just go? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's I, I, I'll look into that. Into the kitty. (laughs) 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 Um, so, um, I'm going to talk about the first responders. Okay. Um, an unarmed, sorry, an unnamed fireman, (laughs) Also unarmed. Yeah. But an unnamed fireman assisting at the scene of the crash stated, quote, we didn't see one body intact, just trunks, arms, hands, heads, and parts of legs. And we can't tell whether they were male or female. 
or whether they were an adult or child because they were charred. Oh, God. Yeah. Another first responder on the scene said, quote, it was too hot to touch anybody. I really couldn't tell if they were men or, men or women. Bodies were scattered all over the field. That's horrible. It's so horrible. Um, Tom Farinella, I'm talk about him for a second. He was a displaced firefighter. At the time, he was 26, and he was acting as uh, a lieutenant on Truck 81. Um, he recalls, quote, I can remember planes still taking off and banking through the column of smoke. You hoped that there were people that you could save, but it quickly became evident that there were not. It was just devastation. You knew there were hundreds of people in that field dead. I, I mean, I don't know what to say to that. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, Farinella said he returned to the crash site the following day as an observer. So he wasn't there as a... Right. Right. He just went to go look at it. Um, he said of his visit, quote, what hit me that day was seeing all the stakes in the ground signifying where the remains were. Oh my God. Yeah. So what they had done, um, to bag and tag evidence mm -hmm. is, uh, put, I don't want to say it this way, but I will uh, put people in Ziplocs and then put like a stick in the ground. Yeah. And so every, um, Ziploc or whatever container had a matching stake. Right. So they could eventually, uh, try to figure out. Right. Uh, <sighs> who was who? Oh my God. Yeah. Can you imagine, can you just imagine being assigned to that? No. And, like how that must just like what that just must destroy you. Yeah, there's a guy that I'm going to bring up later who quit. I mean, I, I yeah, and I think um, that's one thing we forget often is um, it's really it's really easy for us to scrutinize our law enforcement and um, those in in that kind of role, and we forget that they have to do this kind of stuff as their job on a regular basis. I mean, what trauma? It's horrible. I. I, I Oh, um, yeah. So I didn't include thank, all of it. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, thank I'm you. Saying. Um, first responders. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, I, I didn't include a lot of it cause it's gross, but like people would talk about the smell Yeah. and just being so overwhelmed. Um, it's overwhelming. Actually, mm -hmm. I just got tears in my eyes because it's completely overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about Dr. John Kenny right now. Dr. John Kenny was the first forensic dentist on the scene of the crash. Oh. Uh-huh. He actually had just returned from taking a week-long course in aircraft accident investigation at the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology, Pathology in Washington, D.C. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That is nuts. That is irony. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's the definition of irony. Yeah. You're just like, uh, I'm back from my, oh. oh I can I, use this. I'm needed. Um. That's nuts. Yeah. He was a part of, he was a part of a team of 30 dentists tapped to identify victims from the charred remains. Oh, so let's just think about that for one moment. Right. A team of, this is how fuck, I don't want to swear right now. This is how messed up these bodies were that they had a team of 30 dentists. Dentists. Like, they already have a high suicide rate. <laughs> right. They're already like the most revered people in the world. Right. Or not reveal reviled. Re yes. People are scared of them. And and I mean I actually personally really like my dentist. I like my dentist too. Um I think he's adorable. Yeah, I think my dentist is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I was actually very upset when I, I was recently in for a cleaning and he was out that day and I was like, Who are you? Oh. <laughs> You're fine, but where's my guy? Yeah, um, I like my guy. But uh, although I think I might have to get a crown, um, he said I might have to get a crown uh, in like three years on one of my back molars. Ah, uh, yeah, I have one. On like because of the. Oh, old, do you have a crown? I do because I have. Um, when I was a kid, I had a lot of uh, cavities. Oh, that's what it is. It's old filling. It's on old this side. filling. Yeah, it's an old. Because on this side, I have. Uh, they replaced. So it's the weirdest thing. I shouldn't be talking about this, but see how on this side. 
It's white. Uh-huh. And on the side, it's silver. Silver. Yeah. So I, mine are all replaced now, but, um, I have a, I actually have a couple because I had like one tooth that was basically all like held together by all the old silver. Oh, wow. And they were like, they should have just not, they should have just not done this. Wow. So that one has a crown on it. And then I have another one that, um, the old filling stayed in for far too long. Oh. And so that was a whole mishap. Um, right. And he is a savior and the best. I really adore him. Anyway, anyway but yeah, our dentists, me, we love you. But to, but let's go back to the seventies where the technology was probably not as great as it is now, mm-hmm. and um, dentists were very feared and probably like. I mean, let's be real. They're probably somewhat sadists too. Like <laughs> if they're jumping into your mouth and with a drill and performing oh, that kind of God. surgery on you. Uh, so, but, but for these people to be called in and probably oh. all men at the time, if we're also yeah, being let's honest, be honest, um, that must be like, I didn't sign up for this. This is not. Yeah. Except for Dr. John Kenny did do. Because he just went to that He just went to that air, conference. aircraft accident investigation. That's so crazy. Conference, which is insane. Yeah. Uh, for the armed forces. So he did it for the Air Force. Yeah. Um, so Dr. John Kenny drove to America's Blue Hangar at O'Hare, <clears throat> which later became, unfortunately, a makeshift morgue. Ugh. Uh, by 5.30 p.m., he was surveying the crash the crash site, uh, and he just remembers it as being organized chaos. He said he said he felt quote like he was walking into a sea of death. Oh my god! Uh, one of the images that stuck with uh, John was when Batesville Casket Company uh, came to this makeshift morgue and unloaded. 300 caskets. Ooh. Yeah. That just made my stomach turn. Yeah. Oh like, basically, God. like, think about a giant truck that you're like, oh, that's fun. What are they going to deliver today? And it's just casket after casket yeah. after casket. Oh, my God. Uh, John Kenny said some victims were identified with near jaw fragments. Okay. And in one case, I already mentioned this, one single tooth. Is how they identified a person. <sighs> By the end of the investigation on July 15th, the remains of 30 out of the 273 victims were unidentified. Those remains were eventually shipped to California to be buried in a group ceremony. So remember, this was the, the flight that went back and forth from Chicago to L.A., Chicago yeah. to L.A. Um, they ended up. Uh, and I'm not sure why, <clears throat> but those 30 victims are memorialized uh, in um, Los Angeles. Okay. So they're in a uh, mass grave of 30. But remember when I say mass grave, don't think it's like a whole lot of stuff going on. It's, right. It's teeth and fingers and stuff like that. Oh, I made that worse. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> that's not better. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely not better. Oh, my God. You guys, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I said a moment of, like, Ooh. trying to make everyone feel a little bit better, and I made it worse. Uh, I don't, yeah. Oh, God. All right. So let's talk about uh, Paul Marcotte. Okay. <sighs> Back then, he was 25 years old, and he was one of the Daily Herald's police beat reporters. Okay. Um, Marcotte followed emergency vehicles and got closer than any reporter could likely get to, uh, likely get today. Okay. So basically Paul would like listen to his scanner, like follow police cars. Yeah. Like as a reporter, he was kind of like an ambulance, ambulance chaser. Yeah. He's like Jake Gyllenhaal in that movie that I don't remember the name <laughs> of it. <laughs> Donnie Darko? No. no. One of those. Zodiac? No. I'm kidding. I'm just naming Jake Gyllenhaal movies. Yeah. What other ones do you have? It came out recently. I don't know. I'll look it up later. It's not important. Secretary? That's no. his sister. <laughs> I know, but it would be way better if it were him. I love that movie. Uh, and hate it for many reasons. Me too. I saw it 
Uh, at a special preview. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And at the time, I was like, God, this is a real turn-on. And now, I'm, I find it all very problematic. It's very troubling. Yeah, it's extremely troubling. Um, so let's unpack that. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about this instead. No, let's talk about Paul. Um, so 25 at the time, he was uh, the Herald's beat reporter. Um, he said, quote, there was no security set up. Um, he added that his car probably looked like, you know, like kind of dumpy, like a fire department vehicle. Like that yeah. was on purpose, you know? Okay. Uh, he said there were hunks of flesh, body parts, open luggage, and they were scattered throughout the field. Oh my God. Yeah. Paul said, um, he had nightmares for years. Mm-hmm. Not days. No, I mean, I can't, they're ruined. They're yeah. ruined. He, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't even really like talking about it, but like, I mean, at 25 years old, he had a lot of ambition and was constantly in search of the story. The man gets the story. Right. And there he is basically in the worst aviation disaster, uh, I think at this point in American history, but at least in Illinois history. And right. Anybody who was there, every, every quote that I'm giving you is a quote from somebody. Um, and they were slashed in half as human beings. Yeah. I mean, the PTSD that they must have suffered. Yeah. And that's, that's what tremendous. I was going to say too, because we really didn't have, we, we barely do now when it's 2018, like people didn't really have a lock on PTSD. No. And here's, here's the thing. Like we send kids to war yeah. and we condition them and we train them to be prepared for it, but they still come back broken and suffering from this. So imagine these people who haven't gone through that type of training and having to witness something like this, what that must do to you. Yeah. It's got to be just completely horrific. <sighs> Aren't you glad we're uh, revisiting this? I'm so happy. <laughs> I was like, remember how American Airlines wasn't great, and it, but it was super fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I think the sound was off, but I think it was a real big, it was a very Jay Seigman, this is a huge bummer where everyone dies and we no. learn terrible lessons. <laughs> Noelle cries probably at some point, and she's like, why did you make me cry? Uh, the first one, we just couldn't hear you crying. So, Oh, man. All right, so we're going to talk about the hauntings of American Airlines Flight 191. Okay. Um, Thank God. Right. So I'm going to talk about a couple of driving sort of phenomena. I have these categorized. Uh, according to the Displains police officers, uh, almost immediately after the crash, uh, motorists began seeing uh, odd sights. Um, they called in about seeing odd bobbing white lights in the field where the aircraft had gone down. Um, and most of this, most of these people just didn't know. They were just at the, they were at Tui and the other street I said. Not prospect. Yeah. Something. Okay. Um, police would go and investigate. Um, they, uh, first, now their first thought was that they were, um, flashlights being carried around by, uh, ghoulish souvenir hunters. Oh, okay. You guys, this is awful. If you didn't think it could get any worse. There were weirdos <laughs> that would go to the site. They would go to the field and try to find uh, parts of dead people or try to find souvenirs from American Airlines Flight 191. But we talked about that with the um, Velisca house, too. Remember there was that story of like, yeah. the pool hall on owner that um, there was – it was not corroborated or confirmed, but, like, that he had a part of a skull or somebody's skull. Yep. Or something like that that he had taken from the house. Like, this has been going on. Oh, yeah. I forever. mean, it's time immemorial. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I went to um, Top Copy Palace in uh, Istanbul, Turkey, and uh, they have an entire room designated to religious relics. 
And what they mean by religious relics is like, this is Moses's hair. Right. This is John the Baptist's finger. Right. And it's like, you see this like decomposed, disgusting finger and you're like, okay. I mean, it's not, I don't know if I'm... Somebody took that and that's fucked up. Right. And it's like, and I would hope... That you just did this amazing, like, like, just so you guys know, Noelle was so impassioned right now. She came at me, bro. You did. I did. Cause I'm like so bugged by that. <laughs> Your arms were widespread and you leaned in. Well, and I'm very much of the Indiana Jones mentality of it belongs in a museum, but, uh, I'm also a big fan of Indiana Jones for the record. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, like we have to have some type of decorum and respect for, that person and their family. And you would think that in 1979, there would have been that understanding. Yeah. Uh, And so it's frankly shocking to me that people went out there and were like, like, why, why, what could you possibly do with that stuff? Well, it's so morbid. Well, we have talked a lot about people on this show. (sighs) Uh, People are fucking weird. Yeah, and I listen, mean, just I weird. love the weirdos, and I love morbid stuff, but this is like, ugh, yeah, right? why? Why? Um, <laughs> so anyway, a lot of it uh, initially was written off as the flashlights, flashlights that were carried by the uh, souvenir hunters, but it continued for such a long time, afterwards, months, um, that the cops would go out there and they wouldn't see anybody. And so... They were convinced that these were the orbs of spirits. Okay. Um, we take you to the trailer park. Okay. Um, <laughs> you never offered to take me there before. <laughs> On a first date, how dare! Oh, thank you. <laughs> how exciting and exotic. We'll take a. We'll just take a drive on my El Camino, and I'll take you to the trailer park. Um, this trailer park actually, uh, most of the stories from here completely freak me out. Okay. Um, we'll get to it. I, 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 let me, I'll tell you what they are and then we'll talk about why they completely freak me out. So many of the reports from the trailer park came within hours of the crash Residents claimed to hear knocking and rapping sounds at their doors and windows. Oh, my God. Um, I yeah. just remembered this part. Oh, yep. my God. Um, those who responded, including a number of retirees and off-duty police and firefighters, opened the door to find no one was there. <sighs> Countless reports of these things happened immediately. After this happened, the incident, dogs began to bark at nothing. Doorknobs were being turned and rattled. Footsteps were heard approaching the trails. There was clanging on the metal stairs. One resident claimed to have opened their door to a man who said he, quote, had to get his luggage. Another claimed to open the door to a man who said he had to, quote, make his connection. Both of these men, uh, according to the people who told these stories, uh, turned and disappeared into the darkness. One last story here. One man said he was walking his dog near the area of the crash. He was approached by a younger man who said he needed to make an emergency phone call. The man said the younger man reeked of gasoline and also appeared to be smoldering. When the man turned away to point to a nearby phone, he saw that the younger man had vanished. Okay. All right. So those are the trailer park stories, but let us talk about them now. Yeah. Yikes, dude. I have shivers all over my arms. So in the immediate aftermath, basically all these dead people thought they were still alive and they ran to the trailer park. Yeah. For help. All of these stories are help stories. It's so sad. That's why it completely freaks me out. And this is where, and I, I don't know if I They're would not like residual energy. No, this like, is like real. Like, this is like, this plane crashed and these are help stories. Like the knocking on, on the doors and windows and like all, all this stuff. Right. I mean, people are like, whoa. 
this is kind of like the show Lost, where I'm still not fucking sure what the fuck the ending was, and I'm still pissed about it. I mean, I know what it was, and I'm pissed. But it's kind of like that. Where I've only seen season one. God damn it, that show. Anyway, but this is one of those things where... At, I don't know how to say this, and I don't know if I want to get into all the afterlife stuff. But, like, that's where I start to question things because it's so fascinating to me. Oh, I get what you're saying. But, like, for Lost, did they die in the first place? Yeah. And then, yeah. And all the rest of it was just... Them living in limbo or Trying whatever. to figure out what... Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry but, if we ruined Lost for you. Well, and you, that's... You've had, like, ten years. Yeah, and that's also not how it ended. But, like... Um, <laughs> But I mean, to, to, to even posit the existential question to some people in this day and age, um, right. people think that's a spoiler alert. But I think that like it was such an immediate reaction where these people, their souls, let's say their souls jumped out of their body because we don't know. But let's say like they're dead. Their souls jumped out of their body. They go, they react and they know that there's something bad no, that's happened. We're looking at each other. I, I feel like I'm about to cry, though. But we know. But let's let's talk through this because it's it's fascinating. They they know something bad happened, but they also like are committed to their situation. So the one guy's like, I have to get to Beijing or wherever. I think you're from say, like, I have to make my connection. I have to make my connection. That makes me that 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 one particular line. Because he knows, he's aware. I'm so, I, I am so upset by that. Like, and the, and the other guy who's like, um, I have to get my luggage. Like, yeah. like these aren't, these aren't, um, they're not like ghost ghosts. It's almost like you're being knocked out of your body. Yeah. Like they're, it's so fascinating. It's like, it's like they're, I don't know another way to put it. Like they're such fetal ghosts. They have no idea that they're dead. Right. That, like, they literally died in such a, an alarming manner. Yeah. That there were people, one person was identified by a single tooth, and yet they're going to this trailer park, begging for help, asking people for help, and still thinking that they're alive. Right. Like, I have to make my connection is one of the saddest things it's I've ever heard. It's the saddest thing because it also, <laughs> it's also one of those things. And somebody who um, tends to be a bit of a workaholic, like, I look at something like that where it's like, oh, man, like, I'm so focused on where I need to be for work or whatever. It's next. I'm not, maybe not thinking about the important things. And it's kind of like that thing where it's like, this was probably, because they're going to LA, this is probably a businessman yeah. who is probably doing international travel. Oh yeah, this was a commuter flight. They would... Yeah. yeah. So if he has to make his connection, that means he's probably traveling out of the country somewhere. Um, probably to Asia. And so he's still sure. focused on that. Or, you know, there's so many things, but like the, the, the thing, the hope... And this is where I struggle because of my personal beliefs is like you're that like their conscious is literally knocked out of them and they're so focused on like the next step and but then they disappear and you're like, I just hope that they were able to like in that moment move on to whatever is next. You and know that's what? what it you know. I know you uh I don't share um I'm not a big religion person. I think right. you know that. Right. Probably listeners know that too, but like because the trailer park stories move me in such a way, like again, when you're looking at me and I was like, I'm about to cry. Yeah. Um, I do hope when they vanished with the guy who was covered in gasoline or, or looked like he was smoldering, right. smoldering. Um, now each of these person, each of these people were reported to have turned away and disappeared. Right. So I'm hoping it was, <laughs> I mean, this is a, Really weird way to put it, but I'm hoping it was impact, like consciousness, soul, uh, uh, hitting the trailer park for help. And then once they realized they were ghosts, they ondulate. The, right. And that's what I'm saying. Like they but went it all to wherever. so quickly that, I mean, part of the, part of the reason why this area is so haunted is it all happened so quickly that there were so many people that didn't realize, uh, they were dead. They were dead. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I think we talked about this uh, uh, in many episodes, but I mean, that's the problem. Like, um, uh, when one experiences a very traumatic death, they often don't realize what has happened to them. Right. And you'll see that, like, uh, on the medium and the MOOC. Um, <laughs> Do you want to call it by its real name? Also known as the Dead Files. Um, <laughs> Hi, Amy. Hi. Oh, recently, I have to tell you this. So uh, <laughs> I think we were talking about, I think I was texting you while I was watching a new episode. And I don't think I texted this to you, but I was like, man, if the soup was still on, Joel McHale would totally like capture. Oh, this you moment. did. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so Joel McHale has a new, new show, show yeah. on Netflix, which is basically the soup. And they did he capture it. Not that particular moment, but there's another one. And I'll watch, tell you later. I have to watch which, now. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm so glad they're watching this show uh, because it's so good. But there are definitely moments. Um, yeah. But but one thing she talks about is are those folks that are uh, caught in their death state because they die in such a sudden traumatic way, and so a lot of people, it's like people who, um, it, it, like an accident or a, a heart attack, yeah. and they relive that death state over and over again. Yeah. And it's just like so traumatizing and miserable because think about it. Like that's how you, that's your eternity. If that's a real, right. if or it's like, real. like an incredibly surprising death. Yeah. So that's like, I saying. recently had a, a loved one uh, pass away and I will say this, um, that was a long haul. And I, that individual, I can, I, I can only think, um, is at peace. Yeah. Like what a beautiful, what a beautiful way to die, to know that you're going to die and to die in the best way possible. For sure. But these people on this airplane did not. No. So that's, and that's what I'm saying is that like, so how many people in that field are going through that again? Right. And suffering. <sighs> if, if again, and this is where I struggle because I don't, I don't know where I stand with this, but if that's right. No, I'm with you. Oh, sorry, people. I'm emotional. No, this is horrible. <laughs> Why did we redo this? I don't know. You told me to. I told you to. And now I need to get out of Kleenex. Because I must be heard, Jay. I must be heard. <laughs> <laughs> really, like, honestly, this is the only episode that you had bad sound. And I remember telling you, I was like, I think this is really depressing and not funny in any way, shape, or form. And I'm like, we have to do it. It's so good. Uh, guys, you can't see what's happening, but I, I pulled out a bag of Kleenex and I'm wiping my Right. Um, Jay made herself cry, which is a first. <laughs> I know. I usually make you cry. <laughs> I know. And I hate crying. <laughs> I hate crying too. As a rule. We I are don't, German women. <laughs> I won't do it. And when I feel like, sorry, we're making this episode funny. God damn it. Um, <laughs> the show, I've had several conversations in the last couple of weeks with uh, various people about the show This Is Us. And, you know, everybody's like, you must watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I cry at the end of every every episode. And I'm like, that's exactly the reason I won't watch yeah, it. No thanks. Why do I want to watch a television show that is going to make me feel? And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right? And, like, cry my eyes out. What? Why is that fun for me? No, thank you. Pass. That's a hard pass. Yeah, for real. No, thank you, Mandy Moore. Good day. Wait. And I like that one dude that's in it very much. Is Mandy Moore in that show? She is. She's the mom. I know way more about it than I should because all Mandy Moore, who used to be married to um, Ryan Adams, that's the one. Mandy Moore, this former a, pop singer. This is the second time she's come up on this program. Is it Mandy Moore? Because the, the first show time movie it, saved. I love that movie. Yeah, me too. But uh, the first time she came up, I was talking about um, uh, not <laughs> not taking pictures with smaller people. Oh. <laughs> Because there's that picture of her where she's with the Olsen, with the Olsen twins. twins. Oh, man. And they're like... Mandy Moore, friend of the show. Friend of the show. <laughs> they, they're like four feet tall, and Mandy Moore looks like a hoss. <laughs> she's probably... We, no, she's a lovely woman. She seems very nice. Uh, she's cute. What do you think Ryan Adams did? I think they're... I don't know. I mean, pe sometimes people just... He dated Courtney Love. Sometimes relationships don't work <laughs> like sometimes it happens people break up i guess marriages don't always last all right that's all i wanted them i really like ryan adams's music 
And I think Mandy Moore is um, somebody I don't know much about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by being completely honest. I, uh, I don't know any of her pop music. I don't know any of her pop music. I think she I, came out around the time when, it, like, we had, like... It was the Blonde Brigade. It was yeah, Brittany, like, Britney Spears, and Christina, then Christina, and then Jessica Mandy. Simpson, and then Mandy Moore was, like, the poor yeah. man's Jessica Simpson, and we just didn't have time for that. No, but then she turned herself around and became a movie star and, like, did awesome things. Like, the movie Saved is wonderful. Uh, have you seen it? Yeah. You haven't seen it? Oh. Yeah, I've seen I love it. that movie. It's fine. Isn't Macaulay Culkin in a wheelchair? He that? is. All right. I like that movie. Susan Sarandon's daughter is in it. Yeah, she's the one right. who dates Macaulay Culkin. She's the bad girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We're going. Uh, thank you for taking that little momentary break with us because I was literally crying, and now we're back. And we're back <clears> to <throat> really sad stuff. American Air- <laughs> American Airlines flight one anyone. Uh, so I'm going to take you to O'Hare. Have they ever named Amer- has American Airlines ever named a flight 191 after this? I would highly doubt it. They retired it. that number. I think it's probably like the Michael Jordan 23 where they just can't be done. Hung up the jersey yeah. and just stopped. Good for them. Um, hey, sports reference. You did that. From me. Well, you've you previously stated that you can name like the 1990 Chicago Bulls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or yeah, whatever year they were, 1991. Uh, yeah. Okay. I have a really good... Um, uh, sports memory for uh, all of the 80s and the early 90s. Okay. Yeah. Did um, I tell the story recently? Oh, I don't think I've told <laughs> it on the show. Paul Molitor? The Paul Molitor story? I was recently uh, at the Twins Stadium where he is the manager of the Minnesota Twins. And uh, we were leaving the stadium. Holy shit. Did you meet Paul Molitor? No, I'm telling you the story. Okay. We're leaving the stadium. And we get outside it's freezing cold because it's fucking February in Minnesota. And we get outside and somebody goes, oh, Paul Molitor and his family just walked by. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, he walked right by me. I didn't even look because I think I was just, like, so tired and over yeah. it because I was there for work. And I didn't – and I, I actually – I don't do this with, like, famous people or celebrities, but for Paul Molitor, I, like, tried to go back to find Sure. Him. And I turned back to the door, and they were like, Noel, it's over. Yeah. Get in the van. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's Paul Molitor, and I don't think you guys understand how important he was to my childhood. And I was devastated. I was like, oh, I totally missed that opportunity. I could have sent a picture of Paul Molitor and me to my dad, and that would have meant a lot. The world. I have a like a uh, Starfucker story too. Okay. Like, so, um, back in the day, late '90s, early 2000s, I worked at uh, a very happening restaurant in Chicago. Yes. I don't want to say it by name, but um, but you have mentioned it on the show. Before. Oh, I have. Okay. All right. Well, like the cast of ER would come in, yeah. and um, John Cusack would be there all the time, mm-hmm. and George Clooney, and just like all sorts of like very famous people. Mm-hmm. Would come in and... But never that Julianne Margulies. She was beautiful. Oh, I did mention that. Yes. <laughs> what a gorgeous woman. Um, on the show, they made her all look like ragtaggedy. And, mm-hmm. and in real life, I was like, oh, look at you. Stunning. Stunning. Um, anywhoozle. So, um, I never said, like, a word to any of them. I always treated, like, because we, yeah. we were supposed to. She's just like, never, just don't. They're people. Don't. Them. This is not a zoo. Just fucking, yeah. you know, do your job. The one person that I did not do that with was Liz Fair. I know the story. Have I told it on the show? No. Okay. I personally know it as your friend. So. <laughs> it's very disappointing. It's so disappointing. So. As a child of the 90s. Oh, my God. Like, you guys, I uh, played guitar, and I thought I was a singer-songwriter, and I fucking loved Liz Fair. If you don't, if you don't know who Liz Fair is, that's fine. She's a bitch. Um, just <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Liz Fair. No, no, we're saying. But not nice. Thought that she was so amazing, and I just loved her. And so she came into this restaurant with her mom, and um, uh, I don't want to get too in the weeds on this. Anyway, so I went to her table, and I was like, I don't normally do this. By which I mean, I never had. Like literally, George Clooney would stand in front of me, and I 
probably like served them like five times and never said a fucking word about who he was. Do you know what I would have said to George Clooney? Hey, remember when you were in Facts of Life? That's that's about it. But yeah. I just like pretended remember? I didn't know, right? Uh-huh. Okay. So for Liz Fair, I'm like standing there. I'm like, Liz Fair is so cool. She did Exile in Guyville. She did fucking run. She did Polyester Bride. Like she's cool. She's down. She gets it. She's from Chicago, right? Yeah. So <laughs> the one celebrity I ever spoke to. So I was like, hey, Liz Fair, like, um, I want you to know that I'm really inspired by you and I you know what? I, I, I just think you're great. She <laughs> turned to me and she goes, what do you want me to do? Sign this fucking napkin. And I looked at her because our napkins were really nice and linen. <laughs> <laughs> you can't write on that. Yeah, no. I mean, like, first of all, like, I know you're dissing me, but also like, absolutely not. And I was like, oh, we wash those. Yeah, I was like, um... With a laundry service. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the ink will, like, smear and everything. Right? I it was runs. like, uh, uh... No, I just wanted to... And she was like, can't you see it? I'm just trying to eat lunch with my mom. Like, why don't you go ahead and fuck off? I walked away. And, <laughs> like, as I was walking away, I had tears in my eyes. And I was like, I'm not going back to that table. I... I have never been so mortified. Like, my idols at that time were Liz Fair, Tori Amos, and Alanis Morissette. Uh Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Right. So this was a huge deal, and I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. But, yeah, she (laughs) wanted to sign linen napkins? (laughs) Uh, No, Liz Fair. Well, that's... I have a lot of feelings about that, and I won't go into I mean, maybe she was what angsty. a horrible person I think she is for it, but I'll just call it out. That's shitty. Yeah. And here's the deal. Um, we've talked about it before. I think, like, Bruce Campbell called it out um, in an – he did an interview in the Nerdist podcast, um, which is a really awesome interview. Um, and he talks about, like – People come up to you and they're like, and Bruce Campbell does a lot of like Comic Cons and conventions and shit. So he sees a ton of people, but he talks about how like one dude came up to him at the airport and was like, hey man, uh, I don't want to bug you. Um, I just want to say hi. And he was like, you were super shitty to me one time when I saw you. And he was like, and that's cool. I get it. Like you get bugged all the time. And, uh, and he was like, no, we're cool. Like, no problem. But I just wanted to say, hey. And Bruce Campbell was like, I really appreciated that guy. Because here's the thing. Sometimes you're in an airport and you just want to, like, get to where you totally. need to be. And so I can I can understand where she's coming from. But at the same time. Totally, girl. All you have to say is thank you. That's it. Like, you don't have to be I a bitch. Hold say on. Say thank you. I didn't ask her for one goddamn thing. No. Say thank you. You're done. The end. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be a jerk about it. And because she actually made a point of being a jerk. Yeah. And that's what pisses me off about it yep. is that, like, it's so simple. Thank you. The end. We're done. I want to be a polyester bride. And guess what? Hey, you lost a fan and then you lost other fans because you're going to tell <laughs> people right. how Liz Fair sucks. Um, and it's going to pass on. And everybody's like, well, she's angsty and she's a 90s chick. It doesn't fucking matter. Like, right. be nice to people. And, and yeah, I get it. Like, you want to eat lunch with your mom? Say thank you and be done with it. It really wasn't that weird. And you know me, I'm not a weirdo. No, and you can be sure. And actually, you know me. People, um, that's so, like a weirdo myself. People approach me all the time when I'm with you, and I'm always like, oh, cool, thanks. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of a big deal in in your world. In a little sphere and, that and, I and, occupy. And yeah. I'm never a dick fuck no. to anyone. I'm the one who's like, oh, we have to go. <laughs> like, Stop talking to my friends. <sighs> and then they're like, oh, you do that podcast with her. <laughs> um, okay. Somebody actually recently, real real quick, we were at a thing. This is really funny. Um, and, and we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up front of the show Megan Ensley. Megan Ensley! <laughs> um, Every episode. Megan, uh, Megan and I were at a thing, and Megan was introducing me to people uh, as... Noelle, and then she's like, she does the podcast with Jay, and one person, and so there was recognition when she would say that, and 
was really nice of her to do. Um, <laughs> but one person actually said to me, oh, you're the ghost lady. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yep, that's that's me, ghost that's, lady. That's who I am. It's <laughs> pretty awesome. Sorry, we were talking about American Airlines Flight 191, I think 30 minutes ago. Oh, we're going to go back to that. <laughs> um, sorry, guys. Uh, Noelle and I are German, so we cry for 30 minutes and we laugh for 30 minutes. We had to, like, get over our emotions, and yes. now we're back. We're okay. back. So, um, there was a memorial uh, uh, created in 2011. Which is not too long ago. No. So that was, what, 32 years after? Yeah. So funny was obtained for the memorial in 2009 through a two-year effort by the sixth grade class of Decatur Classical School in Chicago. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. The memorial, a two-foot concave wall with interlocking bricks displaying the names of all the crash victims, excuse me, was... Uh, dedicated in a ceremony on October 15th, 2011. The memorial is located in a park two miles east of the crash site. Okay. So, again... Do you know the name of the park? I don't. Okay. I don't. We'll look it up and post it. So... And by we, we all know I mean Jay. Because I'm the worst. Um, you're the Liz Fair of our group. <laughs> you just, I'm super You give me a look of like, take it fucking back. <laughs> um, God damn it. Why did I offer that? <laughs> so last time we did this, this was, this was the moment that you were like, <gasps> oh, oh no. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, no, I know. It's been so long. Yeah, it's been so long. Um, uh, within this terrible tragedy lies a true crime mystery. Oh, yes. I've been waiting for this. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so. This is good. Y'all. Get ready, everybody. Ugh. Okay. So in May 1979, contemporaneous with the crash, keep up. Noelle Schmidt was born. Well, okay. But also. <laughs> and my good friend, Tammy. Also, Flight 191 <laughs> crashed to the ground. Um, Diane Chorba, age 30, was three months pregnant when she disappeared. Oh, God. Clarence Oliver Bean was having an affair with Chorba. Their second child was on the way. Oh. Now, Bean claimed that Chorba was killed on American Airlines Flight 191 that crashed in Chicago, Illinois. No good. But... After all that forensic science, after all that bagging and tagging, Chorba's remains were never found. And she mm. was eliminated as one of the passengers that could have been on that flight. Did they have uh, a flight manifest? Um, they, I think they did, but I don't think... I'll, I'll put it this way. Uh, 2001 changed so many things. Yeah, okay. Right? Like, you know now, even when you change seats they're like kind of writing you down yeah kind of thing. yeah um but like in 1979 you could um buy an airline ticket two hours before it took off and you could get on the plane right right right, right. so okay. or you could miss a flight and no one gave a shit like it yeah. just wasn't it wasn't as everybody was hanging out at the airport yeah you could go to the gate to pick up your right friend yeah yeah there's something about that too that's really missed when you get off the gate and you don't have i mean it's been so long that i don't even i yeah. barely remember it but like Getting off and have somebody, like, your loved ones standing there, like, with yeah. balloons and, like, you made it back. And you're like, oh, my God, you're here. <laughs> you're here. Hi. And now you have to wait till you, like, get to baggage claim. And yeah. then you're like, they're not even here. Totally. They're still trying to find a place to park. Yeah. They're looping around the thing because there's really no place to park unless you want to pay for the garage. I fly a lot, you guys. Um, <laughs> no, I fly a lot. And I'm like listening to this. I'm like, uh, one bag for me and Uber <laughs> all the way. Thanks for listening, Uber. Yeah. Um, all right. So this dude was like, yo, um, my 
mistress. Yeah. Uh, Diane died on that plane. Now, so he was married. He was married to another woman. Somebody else. Somebody else. Okay. Yes, it was Clarence Oliver Bean. Okay. Was having an affair with Diane Schwarba. And she was Diane single. I think so. Okay. Because she was on his second baby. Right. That's so, why. I'm, okay. I think in, I mean, from from what I know about man woman relationships, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that she was, uh, she already had an infant with him and she had another one on the way. <laughs> I don't know that she had a, a dance ticket that was We'll small. have a science conversation after. <laughs> a little science lesson. Anyway, uh, in 1980, uh, Clarence Oliver Bean left Michigan and moved his family to Oregon. So they were living in Michigan. Yes. Was this woman from Michigan as well? No. She was from Chicago? And no. Like, I don't, I'm so confused. I'm sorry. She was, she lived in Michigan. Sorry. Uh, uh, I thought you asked initially. But she, they were flying out of O'Hare. They were flying out of O'Hare. Because they lived on the border. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> sorry about I'm, that. I'm trying to understand the geography of it. Yeah. No, the Michigan people flying out of O'Hare. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So. February 16th, 2001. <laughs> Clarence Oliver Bean, at the time, 56, was arrested in Mayville, Oregon, for the murder of Diane Chorba. Mm-hmm. Oh. The crime had been committed 22 years earlier in a small town in Michigan. In the end, Bean's wife, Judy, testified that she was with Bean when he disposed of Diane Chorba's body in the woods near Luther, Michigan. Wait, what was what was um his wife's name? Judy. Judy. Yeah. Judy Bean testified that Clarence Bean showed her the body under the tree stumps near rural Bristol, Michigan. Oh my god. Is there a dateline about this? What is his name? Clarence <laughs> Clarence Bean? Oliver Bean. I'm looking um, it up to see if there's anything about this. Judy testified that she kept silent about it for more than two decades because she was terrified of being. Oh, Judy, no. Yeah, no. He had always been abusive to her. Oh, he's a horrible person. He is a horrible person. So he lied to the police and said she was on American Airlines Flight 191 so he can get away with his murder. Meanwhile, he takes his wife to the murder site to try to make her an accomplice. Right? Because she saw him do it all. Yeah. So um, what he did was more emotional abuse because he's like, well, you can't turn me in because, like, here's the dead body. Right. So 22 years later, she was like, I got a complaint. I got a complaint. My husband's a piece of shit and he murdered this girl and they let, they, she didn't have to serve any time. Judy. Yeah. Um, it looks like there's a cold case files about it. Ticket to nowhere. <laughs> um, Bean was convicted and sentenced to 30 to 60 years in a Michigan prison. Good. Yeah. So he'll live out the end of his days there. I hope so. That's. Uh, what a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Do we know what happened to her, the first child that he had with her? I'm no. assuming it's prob- that child's probably with her family. I would imagine so, but I didn't look that closely into it. That's horrible. Oh. Yeah. So, her name was Diane? Diane Schwarba. Okay. I saw Vicky somewhere, but I might be making that up. Um, well, it could be it, it could be changed for yeah. TV. I mean, you were just like, an earlier episode, you were talking about how they sometimes uh, yeah, yeah, muck yeah. you around. They muck you around. Yeah, for sure. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to American Airlines Flight 191. Redux. New one. <laughs> I was DJing. New. <laughs> new. An all new American Airlines 191. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I was sorry. I know we have to end, but I was, uh, you know how I'm terrible at rapping. Um, as I've exhibited on this show, um, I was in a car 
recently with my uh, daughter and sister-in-law. Um, my sister-in-law, incidentally, is a very good friend of mine from college because my brothers and I hang out too much. Yeah. Um, so uh, my daughter said something um, that prompted me to say, now try wiggity, 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 whack. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, she was just as bad at it as I was. I mean, she had the beats done, but my sister-in-law immediately was like, boom, killed it. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> It's it's hard for me. The, did you listen to more? Listen to more Hamilton. I guess I don't know. I'm just slow. I'm a slow white person. <laughs> Noel Andrea Schmidt. <laughs> that was my version of Alexander Hamilton. Oh, thank you. My name is Noel Andrea Schmidt. That's my middle name. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Um, cool, 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 cool. Well, we're gonna we're gonna close down shop here. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to our Redux American Airlines Flight 191. Mm-hmm. Um, we appreciate your listenership. Feel free to follow us on Facebook. Uh, look at us on iTunes. SoundCloud is our major platform, but we're also on Insta, mm-hmm. and uh, we do have a website. It's called High Spirit Chicago Podcast dot com. We're dot com. Yeah. <laughs> Killing it. Yeah. Take that dot nuts. <laughs> Noelle has, oh no, we need to, uh, Noelle, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a uh, Nero Davola. It's a fave of the Trader Joe's. Oh. Nero Davola, red wine. And I'm drinking New Glarus Scream Woo! IPA. Um, and that's all I guess you need to know about our booze. You've heard about our ghosts. And so Noelle has one last thing to say about this. Sweet dreams.